Thank you, Pastor Paul, for giving me the opportunity to speak. It is an honor. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Christine Barco. I'm the children's pastor here at Bridge, and it's been a little while since I've been in these shoes. I'm usually back with the kids where I prefer prefer little people and not big people. <laughs> um, but it is truly an honor to come and bring you a message today um, that God has definitely put on my heart. So for those of you that may not know, Back in the beginning of October, we started Bible Engagement Project, where we are all learning the same thing. From the two-year-old child to the 94-year-old adult, we are all learning the same thing on Sunday mornings and midweek community groups, our youth too. Um, If you want more information, you can go to our website, community groups. We still have a couple of of spots open if you'd be uh, interested in joining one. All the information about the app is on there. We have devotions that we're going to through together all week long from family devotions, youth devotions, adult devotions. So if you're interested in that, hop over to our website and um, you can get more information on that. Um, Thank you to those that are watching online with us today, not only um, to the people that are here. So I wanted to take an opportunity, because I'm not in here a lot, just to share a a little bit with you on what's going on in the back with our kids. We started a Bible Engagement Project, like I said, the beginning of October, and I've heard some feedback from parents and from teachers that really um, seeds are being planted and good things are happening. Our kids are learning scripture. They're excited to learn scripture. Um, One of the teachers in our two- and three-year-old class told me that um, the song that I found that basically sings the memory verse, the faith verse for them, the kids wanted last week, even though we're not doing that verse anymore, because it goes boom, boom. They like the boom, boom part. Um, Last week, I had an opportunity to teach, and I got to teach on the story of Joseph, and I was reviewing with the kids Pastor Paul's message from the week before on Abraham and Isaac. So I asked the question, so what did Abraham end up sacrificing instead of Isaac? One of the little boys was so proud. He raises his hand really high, you know, one of these. And he goes, I know, I know. So I call on him, and he goes, a moose. (laughs) So I said, close. It was a ram, but I see where you're going with the big rack on his head. It's kind of close. So we have a lot of fun back in kids' ministry. Um, I've heard from several parents that they really appreciate the tools that we've given them with Bible engagement, with being able to have those discussions around the dinner table or at bedtime um, with the questions that the family devotions give them, that their kids are really learning a lot. Um, I had one family say that they did family devotions generally around Christmas time. So one of their kids asked if they could get the little advent calendars out for their family devotion time. So really good things are happening um, in families and in our kids, and that's what we want. I just, I just thank God um, for the opportunity for us to walk through the Bible together. So this first um, Bible engagement project that we're doing is called Listen. For those of you that don't know, it's walking us through Genesis to Revelation between now and June. So if you've missed any of it and you want to hear them, they're on the website the past um, uh, messages so that you can catch up. Before we start, I wanted to um, challenge you parents, but also let you know kind of what's going on in kids' ministry, too, as far as our faith verses go. We have challenged the kids to learn their faith verses, not just for the particular month that we're learning them in, but for the whole year. 
So for instance, the beginning of October, we learned a verse from Psalms. Well, now we're in a verse from 1 Thessalonians, but today back in Kid Zone, we're asking them to say both verses. And our mindset on that is we want them to have these messages planted so deeply in their hearts for long-term memory that it's there forever. So I would challenge you as grown-ups, keep going over the verses, the 10 verses that uh, we're going to be giving you this year so that they really get planted deep in your hearts. And to that, I have a challenge that I'm hoping I get some volunteers for today. I'm hoping our Crossroads students, our middle school students, fifth through seventh grade are in here, as well as our teens. So as a true kids pastor, I brought some candy today. Of course I did. So I am looking for two volunteers to come up and each say one of the different verses that we've been learning so far, the Psalm 119 verse and the verse that's kind of new, 1 Thessalonians. Do I have any takers? Royce and Chelsea, come on up. Okay, who wants to do the Psalm verse? Come stand up here. You'll do the Psalm verse. This is Royce. All right, ready, Royce? For I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalms 119.11. Awesome. Come and pick which candy you want, dude. While he does that, I will quiz Chelsea. Do you know the next verse? God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Do you remember where it's found? First Thessalonians 5.24. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, So there, challenge put forth to all the grown-ups. See if you can say all the ten memory verses by the end. All right. So today, I get the honor of speaking about the story of Moses and the burning bush. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this story. Um, And I just am thankful that God... um, has just given me some details that I've never seen before. God's word is living and active, and I certainly felt that these last few weeks when I was preparing. So we finished up the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and we're getting into the book of Exodus now. Our story comes in Exodus 3, so let me give you a little backstory for chapters 1 and 2. So Moses, um, well, let me back up. The book of Exodus means exit, so hint, hint, Hopefully the Israelites will exit Egypt and get into the promised land during this book, but we'll have to wait and see. So in chapter 1, I'm leaving you hanging a little bit, guys. In chapter 1, we find out that a new king takes over. The old pharaoh has died. Joseph and his family are living in Egypt. Um, He brought his whole family there, and by this time, they've multiplied like three and four generations. There's lots of Israelites living in Egypt. This particular king knows nothing about the relationship that Joseph and Pharaoh had in the past. And he doesn't like that the Israelites are becoming so powerful. So he decides to make all the Israelites slaves, put slave drivers over them, and thinks that he can kind of beat them into submission. That doesn't work. They continue to grow and become more numerous. So second plan he hatches is to kill all the newborn baby boys that are born during this time. Moses just happens to be one of those babies born at this time. 
his mother decides to take him and hide him for three months. But any parent out there that knows about babies knows that that is a pretty hard feat. So after three months, she makes a basket, she puts him in it, she drops him in the Nile River, talk about faith, floats him down the river. He just happens to end up in Pharaoh's pool where his daughter is bathing. She has compassion on the baby. She picks him up. She basically raises him as, his, as her own in the palace. Um, fast forward 40 years. Moses is now a grown adult. He's been raised in Pharaoh's palace. But he still knows he's an Israelite, and he still goes back and visits his people. And on this one visit, he sees a slave driver beating a Hebrew slave. He intervenes. He makes sure nobody's looking around, and he kills this slave driver. Chelsea's looking at me like really big eyes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he takes the life of this um, Egyptian. With that, Pharaoh hears. Pharaoh decides to try to kill Moses. Moses then flees to the desert, where he spends another 40 years. He ends up meeting um, a family. He ends up getting married, and he ends up having a family of his own. That's where we pick up the story today. So before we go any further, I need to pray again. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just calm my nerves. Lord, that you would just have your way and speak to your people today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so read with me the story today. We're going to read 20 verses, so strap in, hang on. There's Bibles um, in front of you. You can take out your phone, or um, the scripture is going to be on the slides too, but read along with me. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. So in my research um, of this story and of the burning bushes, um, one thing that I learned that I thought was fascinating was that Back in that day, these bushes they thought to be brambles or thorn bushes would ignite in the desert on their own. So for Moses to see this site wasn't necessarily like an aha, oh my goodness, I need to go check this out kind of moment. It was the fact that the bush was burning, but it wasn't being consumed that drew Moses in. So our God knows how to get our attention. Okay, let's go on to verse 4 and 5. When the, Lord, Lord, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. God waits to get Moses' attention before he speaks. How cool is that? God could have commanded Moses, come here, but he didn't. He waited till Moses got closer, and then he started speaking to him. Another cool thing about this 
passage of scripture is he calls Moses' name twice, which is significant. God doesn't do anything when it's not on purpose. And the significance is Moses is, is important to God. He knows Moses intimately. He knows his name and he uses it. Think about that for a minute, you guys. God, the creator of the universe, knows Moses. Do you know that God knows you just as intimately? Miss Diane, I was going to use Psalm 139 right now. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Like, God's Holy Spirit has been working this whole morning. Psalm 139, like Diane said, go home and read it. It basically tells us that God knows everything about us. The good, the bad, the ugly. What we think, what we say, what we do, where we are. He keeps track of us. Matthew 10 tells us that he knows exactly how many hairs are on your head this morning. And David tells us in Psalm 56, you keep track of my sorrows, you have collected all my tears in your bottle, you have recorded each one in your book. Like I said, God knows all of our struggles, all of the good, all of the bad. He gives Moses instructions not to come any closer and to take off his shoes. He wants Moses to know the God whom he's talking with. And back then, taking off your sandals was a sign of servanthood. Servants did that back then. So he was telling Moses, you're my servant, I'm your master. Like, let's get this, let's get this right here. Okay, let's move on to verse 6. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look. Again, God is telling Moses who he is, but in a different way this time. He's telling him that he's the same God that his people know. He's the same God that the Israelites that he's been spending time with have known. And Moses spending time with the Israelites, I would have a hard time believing he didn't hear some of the stories of how God has moved in their life when he was with them. Um, But at this point in scripture, um, I want to make note that God's presence wasn't always with his people. His presence would come and go. Um, A little while into scripture, we'll see that God placed his spirit, his presence in a temple. But it's not until after Jesus died and resurrected that God's presence is with us in the temples of who we are. So this was extremely rare and really cool for this interaction to be going on um, between God and Moses. All right, let's go on. Verses 7 through 11. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the opposition, oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them now. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Okay, so God says it's time. The time is right for him to bring his people out of Egypt and into the land he promised. He gave this uh, promise to Abraham, who gave it to Isaac, who gave it to Jacob, who gave it to Joseph, and now It's Moses' turn to carry this promise. Um, He's to go to Pharaoh and lead Israel out of Egypt to their new home. And the reaction of Moses is, yes, sir, I'm ready. No. 
No. He says, uh, I have some questions, and I don't really want to go. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but I'm not qualified. How many of you have ever felt that? (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about that in a minute. Let's continue on, verses 12 to 15. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has, ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember through all generations. God tells Moses that he's going to go with him. God is not asking Moses to do it alone. And he even gives him a sign that after it's all done, that they're going to come back to that very same mountain that they're on right now. And we'll see later on in Bible engagement that this is the mountain that God gives Moses the Ten Commandments on. How awesome is that? God is giving him proof and reassuring Moses that he'll be with him um, and that he'll do the work. Um, So what was Moses' reaction? More questions. Like, I need to know everything before I go, God. Um, I love that two times in the scripture it says, and God says. God allowed Moses to ask him questions. Do you know that God allows us to ask him questions? You can pour your heart out to God and ask him all those really big questions. Sometimes he answers us. Okay, let's finish this up, verses 16 through 20. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them the Lord your God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He told them, I have been watching closely, and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord, our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. So God, again, gives Moses clear instructions. Moses not only is not alone because God is with him, but God is sending him help. He's sending him his brother. He's sending him the elders to go with him and help him. Um, He also warns Moses what the outcome is going to be. King of Egypt is not going to let you go until I force him to. So God is reassuring Moses of two things that I want to talk to you about today. One is that God is always with him in spirit and in power. So we've been learning. um, Pastor Paul started with the equation 
Um, faith plus obedience equals sacrifice pleasing to God. Then we've moved into trust plus no matter the cost gives us a deeper relationship with God. And today we're going to be talking about faith plus calling equals seeing God move. Or saying it a different way, believing God's promises, promise of his presence to be with us and his power to be with us, plus our calling, God moves in us and through us. God has made so many promises in the Bible, and here in the story of the burning bush, we see two of them. Um, First, we're going to talk about his presence. Hebrews 13, 7 says, God has said, never will I leave you or forsake you. This passage is found in Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, but it's taken from the Old Testament where it's spoken of four times. So do you think it's important if God is repeating himself four times? It's kind of important. Um, And it's one of the verses that I've repeated to myself over and over. God will never leave me. He will never abandon me. No matter how bad things get, he's with me. Moses needed to know that. God never left Moses. I believe he was with Moses as an infant in that river full of crocodiles. I believe he was with Moses when he fled after killing that Egyptian, and Moses was so ashamed he probably couldn't even talk to God. And I believe that he's with Moses now. And sometimes we look at this story of the burning bush and we think, if I could have a moment like this, like that was so cool, Moses heard heard God's voice. But guys, in scripture, like this is only the beginning of Moses and God's interaction face to face, how God spoke so clearly to Moses. We're going to see through Bible engagement, God used Moses, worked through him to part the Red Sea, to give him the Ten Commandments to provide manna and quail, like this is just the beginning of his relationship using Moses. It's pretty cool to to see. Um, Later in Exodus 33, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. God wasn't just with Moses this one time, and he doesn't want to be with us just one time. He wants to be with us all the time. The burning bush is where God chose to put himself so that Moses could see him. I believe that God is looking for us to stop and listen to him all the time. But rarely do we give him the opportunity. Moses gave God the opportunity here with the burning bush. This is another cool little thing that I discovered um, that just popped out at me listening and researching and reading about this story. The... Symbol of fire is used in the Bible um, to signify God's presence and God's spirit. And it's used here in the burning bush. It's also used when God finally frees his people from Egypt. They leave and they're led by a pillar of fire. Follow the thread with me to the New Testament. At Pentecost, what do we see when the Holy Spirit is given? Flames of fire. So we see God's presence as a thread all through scripture in different ways and different forms and different symbols, which is so cool. Um, God's presence with Moses, I believe, built his faith. God gives Moses other signs to prove that he was sending him. In the next chapter, which we're not going to get to today, God gives him two signs. He tells him to take his staff and throw it down. It becomes a snake. He tells him to take his hand out of his cloak, and it becomes leprous. And then he reverses those two things. So God continues in his presence to talk to Moses over and over. 
Moses yet makes another excuse, though, as why he cannot go to Pharaoh, because he doesn't speak well. God ends up, in chapter 4, giving him his brother Aaron to go with him to help speak to Pharaoh. This beautiful back and forth between God and Moses is proving to Moses that God won't leave him, that he'll always be with him, and that he will continue to give him everything he needs to accomplish his calling. Our second point is God is always with us in his power. Because God is always with us, because his Holy Spirit is always with us, his power can work through us. God tells Moses, I am who I am is with you. This is a personal name that God is giving of himself to Moses and the Israelites. Um, The name Yahweh also means the living presence of God. So it means that God was telling Moses and the Israelites, I will be present and active in your lives. Um, This goes back to the old covenant that he gave to Abraham. I will be your God and you will be my people. He wanted a relationship. He didn't want this far off distant thing. And it's the same with us today. We need to let God work in his power and try not to do it on our own. It's in our own strength that nothing happens, but in God's strength that everything happens. Moses tried that back in Egypt. He tried to rescue the Israelites, and what happened? He ended up killing somebody, right? But now, redo, 40 years later, hopefully Moses has learned a thing or two. And Moses now is humbly saying to God, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. And he was right. On his own, he couldn't do it. But if he allowed God's presence and God's power to go with him, then he could do it. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. God didn't really need Moses to rescue the Israelites, right? Our God is an all-powerful God. He could have done that on his own. But he chose to use a person. God chooses to use us to help people. And he was choosing Moses um, to... to, um, do this mighty mission, this calling. So the other part of our equation, we have believing in God's promises that he's with us in presence and power. That middle part, that plus part, to be with our calling, to give us things to do. So I believe that we have different callings on our life. We have different vocations, different missions that God has created each one of us Um, for a special purpose. We have callings in our families. We have a calling to God's family too. If you don't know Jesus and you have not asked him to come into your life, um, we're going to do that at the end. But that is a calling too. God calls each one of us into his family. Like Pastor Paul said, he does not want anybody to perish, but gives everybody an opportunity. Um, So he gives us different gifts and talents that enable us to pursue these callings. And they're best activated when we take a step in faith and let, let God lead. Think for a moment with me. Who really would have been better qualified to lead the Israelites out of Egypt than Moses? Moses was born an Israelite, but he was raised in, in Egypt in the palace, right? He visited the Israelites so he knew their history. Who would have been better to mediate this? But Moses didn't see that. Moses just saw, I'm unqualified, I'm not evil. 
So can we stop and talk for a minute about this feeling of being unqualified for a minute? This is something that I think we struggle with no matter our age, no matter our ability, no matter our status. I can't because, fill in the blank. I felt unqualified, inadequate, incapable, inexperienced, and unprepared a lot in my life. How about you? How about past mistakes? They've made me feel unqualified. I can imagine Moses thinking back when God asked him to go. Moses might have remembered his biggest mess up, killing that Egyptian, and said, I'm not qualified, I can't go. Maybe he replayed it over and over in his mind until it paralyzed him. I've been there. Satan is really good at getting me to replay things that I shouldn't have said or things that I should have done or didn't do um, and making me feel inadequate to the point of not doing anything. But listen to what your loving Father says to you this morning. Psalm 103.12 says, He, God, has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. God chooses to forget our mistakes. So why are we holding on to them? Once we apologize for our mistakes, God doesn't remember them. Don't let Satan get a hold and scheme any longer in this area. Moses ran away from Egypt when he made that mistake of killing that Egyptian. How about you? When God has called you to do something or say something, have you run? I have. I'll give you a few examples of how I felt unqualified in my life. First, as my calling as a wife. I've married a wonderful man, but when I first met him, he was the son of a pastor whose parents were married for I don't know how many years at that point, a long time. I was a child of divorce. I was so afraid of marriage. Not of marriage itself, but of failing, of not being able to follow through with the vows that I would make, of ending in divorce. I knew how painful that was as a kid, and I didn't want to go through that. Thank God I stepped into that calling. We've been married 31 years and counting. Thank God. As a mom, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up anything modeled to me about how to follow Christ. God led me to a family with my husband's family of knowing how to do it, and I thank God for that. But in my own, I didn't know how to raise kids to know and follow God. I didn't know. How about this one? Moms and dads. I call it my loser mom syndrome. I know when my kids were little, it was hectic and crazy. I'd get them to bed at night, and I'd lay in bed and think of all the ways I messed up, all the things I should have done differently, right? Isolating, playing those things over and over in your mind, would have, could have, should have. As a teacher, I went to college, became a teacher. I was not experienced enough to teach other people's kids. I didn't have kids of my own. There were so many other more fabulous teachers Was I a great teacher? I hope so, but I don't know for sure. But if I had let those thoughts stop me, I would have never stepped into that calling. How about as a kid's pastor? 
I'm going to be really honest, and I'm going to try not to cry when I share this story with you, but I can't promise. So, (laughs) David. (laughs) So about eight years ago, I'm at kids' camp with all these wonderful kids, and we're in worship, and they're praising God and jumping around and having a blast, and I'm complaining to God. I'm complaining about why Bridge doesn't have an awesome kids' pastor like I see all around camp. And man, can I tell you, like I went on and on and on and on. Well, when I finally stopped, I heard, you do it. When I tell you, in my mind, it was so clear and so loud that in the middle of worship, I literally turned around to see if somebody was standing behind me that said that. (laughs) So, do you want to know what I did next? I'm so proud of this. I said nothing for a whole year. I doubted, I struggled, I wrestled, and quite honestly, I disobeyed what God was calling me to do. Why? Because I was unqualified. When I finally got the nerve to tell my husband, my family, Pastor Paul, other close, trusted friends, you know the response that I got? It's kind of like what I said to you about Moses. Who else would have been more qualified, right? That's the response I got. I got, are you kidding me? I totally see you doing that. And I get, you're kind of already doing that without the title and certification. But I kept it to myself, and I let it stew. So thank you to my husband, Glenn, for not wanting to be in pastoral ministry, but still letting me pursue the calling that God has put on my heart. And thank you, Pastor Paul, for kind of kicking me down the road um, and holding me accountable, like in in the best, I mean that like as a compliment in the best of ways. Um, Without your encouragement, I don't know if I really would have followed through with it, but I'm so glad that I have been able to encourage kids and families at Bridge. So Moses felt unqualified. What did he do? He isolated himself. He tried to run from his people. He questioned. He said he couldn't, and he questioned some more. What do you do when you feel unqualified? I just told you what I did. I run. I think about quitting. I let Satan get in my head. I isolate myself from people that can speak truth, and I refuse to talk about it sometimes. I went through something extremely painful about a couple of years ago that I'm still walking through. It blindsided me. It was so painful and devastating. It marred the core of who I am. It touched every single one of those callings that I just told you about. It made me feel not worthy to walk in any of those callings. I felt I felt as a mom, as a wife, as a kid's pastor, who was I to be in this position? I'll be quite honest, it shook my faith. I didn't open the Bible for a while. I couldn't. I cried a lot. 
But eventually, I got back into God's word, and I started seeking answers. I didn't feel like it, but I forced myself to really figure out this faith thing. Can I be honest? I still don't have all the answers to all of my questions, and I don't think this side of eternity I will. But I do know, without God's presence, without his power, I would still be on the floor, struggling, not wanting to get up. I really, truly do not know how people who don't know Jesus do life. It's too hard. God is good. I can see that with certainty in the pain. He's good in the good times too, but he's good in the pain. Even if we don't understand it, he's good. God did something during that really difficult time, and he had me go back and read some of my journals. I don't know if you've ever journaled before. I journal all the time. I don't journal every day, sometimes not every week, but I journal things that I feel like God's speaking to me. I journal scriptures that mean something. I journal prayers all the time for my kids and family, for kids here, um, now and again. And he had me go back and read my journals. And it was his way of getting me to remember, for me to remember who he is, who he was in my life, and who he will be in my life. So if you have never journaled, I would challenge you today to journal. And like I said, you don't have to do it all the time, but it's a great tool to use for looking back at those those markers and those milestones that God um, puts in your life. Okay, so let's go back to the story of Moses. The story of the burning bush was just one of the very beginning markers in Moses' life. God would give him many more. There's one of the ways God builds our faith is letting us look back um, and seeing how he's moved in our life. God also did something really important for Moses, and this should be our guide too. Moses was given trusted people to walk with him. God gave him his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam to walk alongside him with other leaders. Who do you have in your life that you can that can call you out and call you up? That can tell you when you're not doing what you should be doing and encourage you to be doing the things that you should be doing. Um, I wish that I had done this sooner in that really painful situation I was just telling you about. If I had let a few trusted people in sooner, things might look differently even today. Um, Hear me clearly, okay? You don't have to let everybody in. You shouldn't let everybody in. But you need to be able to have those handful of trusted people that you can go to and pour your heart out to. Because we have an enemy that is looking for every opportunity to take us down. And when we speak what we're going through, it becomes um, enlightened somehow. He doesn't have power over it anymore. It's brought out into the light. He loves to work in darkness, so don't let him get a hold of your struggles. So Moses learned our faith verse this week. God will make it happen, for he who calls you is faithful. 
Moses is um, a foreshadowing or type of Jesus in the Bible. There are a lot of similarities between the two, and I'd like to share a few with you today. Both Jesus and Moses, there were kings trying to kill them as babies. God gave Moses laws on the mountain, the Ten Commandments, and Jesus spoke from a mountain telling us about a new law and a new way to do things. God spoke to to Moses through a burning bush, through a burning thorn bush, and Jesus wore a crown of thorns. God used Moses to rescue the Israelites, and Jesus rescues us. God promised Moses, I am with you, present and active. When Jesus was born, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. Moses was the mediator between God and Israel. Jesus is our mediator between us and God. Why was God with Moses in spirit and power, and why does he want to be with us today in the same way? Because he loves you. It's that simple. He loves you, and he created you on purpose for a purpose. I tell the kids all the time, there's nothing that you could ever do, there's nothing you could ever say that would make you, make God stop loving you. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God proves it again with the most convincing reason ever. Romans 5.8 But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Bible engagement curriculum we are in right now is called Listen. In today's story, God waited until Moses was looking and listening to speak. God is waiting to speak to each one of us today, and he speaks in so many ways. He speaks through his word. He brings thoughts to our mind, kind of like what he did when I was at kids' camp. He uses other people to speak to us, just to name a few. But we need to do our part. We need to listen. And in order to do that, We need to be quiet. We're not good at that. So I've asked Trish to come, and we're going to not close out in a song today, but we're going to close with just some quiet music because I want to give you guys time to listen. Um, We've been doing this back in Kids Zone. We've been putting on some quiet music, and I've been telling the kids to just pray this really simple prayer. And it's from Moses. God, speak to me. I'm listening. And then be quiet and listen. God wants to speak to us. um, So let's hear what he has to say today. As we're listening, I want you to think about some reflection questions to take with you today. How might God be calling you today? Is God calling you into his family today? If you don't know who Jesus is and you don't have a relationship with God and you want to, we want to talk to you about that desperately today. Is God calling you to remember what he's done in your past so that you can move forward in your calling? Do you need to start journaling so that you can remember, so that you can mark those milestones that God gives you? 
I'm gonna, I am going to pray one scripture over you as you're quiet today, and then we're just going to let God speak for a few moments. God, I just pray Ephesians 3, 18 through 20 over all of us here today. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is for us. May we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Jesus, we're listening. Please speak.